Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Thursday, August 13, 2020. And today I'm sharing a prophetic dream God gave me one week ago today on August the 6th. And I believe this is a very important dream, uh, which I believe any dream that God gives is important. But in this case, it's especially important because it reveals the scheme of the enemy, an attack coming against God's people in these days, and it specifically reveals the main characters uh, who are implementing or orchestrating these events, who are being used by Satan to bring these things against us. And I believe this will probably stretch a lot of people because it's very different than what many Christians currently believe is happening today. But yet, uh, I believe that's why uh, God gives us supernatural gifts uh, so we can see things that cannot be seen with the physical eyes or heard with the physical ears, but we can know things by the Spirit. And so this becomes this, this whole dream, whether anyone can believe what I'm saying, I believe it comes down to an issue of which realm are we mostly operating in? Are we operating mostly in the physical realm or in the spiritual realm? I believe that's the whole issue of what it comes down to. And, and that's what, in a nutshell, that's what the dream was about. Because there's three, there's three scenes to this dream, but the first scene is all about Christians attacking other Christians. And this was going on and on with wave after wave after wave of attacks, relentless attacks. And in the dream, I was one of the people being attacked, but there were many others. And so that was the whole first scene. It, I was feeling the weariness of these attacks, though. It was making me feel like, oh my gosh, how much more of this? You know, it just won't stop. As soon as one wave ended, another one was right behind it. Always coming from Christians. And that might sound very odd. Why would Christians attack other Christians? But yet, we see it already happening today. I mean, as if it wasn't enough that we live in this world that's contrary to everything that the scriptures tell us, a world filled with darkness and unbelief spiritually. It's as if it's not enough that we have to stand in opposition to all of that. But here we have our own people turning against us. And I believe this gets into the whole issue of what the late prophet Bob Jones described. He saw a civil war coming between the church and I like the way he described it because he described it as a battle of the gray versus the blue using those Civil War colors because he described it as the gray matter representing people who rely mostly on their own understanding versus the blue matter. And blue is a color that often is used in dreams to represent uh, the realm of heaven because the sky is blue, and all revelation, of course, comes down from heaven, comes from God. And so, those are the two sides pitted against one another, but I believe what it's going to be is like a continuation of what we're already seeing happening, because all of the attacking 
is coming from the one side and not from the other. It's coming from those who are led by their own understanding, attacking those who are led by the Spirit because the spiritual realm cannot be understood by people who are relying on their own gray matter, their own understanding based on the physical realm. It makes spiritual things make no sense at all to them, and it never will, because the Bible tells us so. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And so here's a short audio clip of those two verses. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Now, whenever we hear those verses, we might think it's talking about the unrighteous, you know, the ungodly. They cannot discern, they cannot understand spiritual things, and that's true. But I believe what my dream is showing and is confirmed in many scriptures is that it's referring to anyone who is not led by the Spirit, anyone who relies on their own understanding, regardless of whether they call themselves a Christian, doesn't matter. Because if they're not led by the Spirit, they're not going to understand the ways of the Spirit. And that's confirmed by Romans 8.14 that says, As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And I believe this is the reason why what I saw in my dream is so very important because it was showing many people who believe, who think that they're serving God. And this is what's been happening all throughout history. There's all kinds of false religions. There's all kind of people deceived thinking they're serving God when they're actually fighting against God. They're actually taking sides with the adversary, the enemy, Satan, to attack God's people. And it's a very serious thing because the flip side of Romans 8.14 would be as many as are not led by the Spirit of God, these are not the sons of God, regardless of what they may claim, what they may say, what they may call themselves. And this war between Christians was revealed to me in a separate dream, which I received about two weeks ago, and I'm going to be sharing that one in a separate program, but it shows this war escalating to a level that was just shocking for me to see, and then even more shocking to see who it was uh, behind the scheme. It's going to be very disturbing, not only by the events that are coming, but by the, the people who we see, uh, people who we once fellowshiped with, turning against us and betraying us. But, you know, even today, we already see lots of evidence of Christians attacking Christians. It's plastered all over the internet. There's websites devoted to attacking Christians, and I'm talking about uh, Christian, quote unquote, Christian websites, where the whole purpose is to uh, slander and discredit other Christians. There are YouTube channels doing the same thing, and all of these people doing it not only in the name of God, but in the name of Jesus Christ, claiming His name. 
and they'll attack anyone who is led by the Spirit, especially those who are used mightily by God. Those are the targets. Those are the ones Satan most wants to discredit. And that's because that's all he has. He has no other way to uh, gain the upper hand against uh, those who are led by the Spirit. There's nothing Satan can really do to stop them because they're operating uh, in the power of God. And God's power is so much greater than Satan's power that he has no chance. So his only hope is to uh, get everyone else to believe bad things about them. And so that's why he comes against them with all kind of lies and slander, trying to discredit them. And with so much of this going on today, it's easy to get desensitized to it. We don't even think that much about it. But I want to help us not get desensitized just by pointing out a few quick examples. We see attacks against anyone operating in any kind of supernatural signs and wonders, even though Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. Anyone who operates in that kind of ministry uh, comes under attack. All you have to do is a Google search for their name, and most of the search results will take you to websites trying to discredit them. The same would be for anyone whose ministry operates with unusual manifestations. You know, they get slandered. This is that whole thing that I've talked about before, where people will come against them and accuse them of having what they call a kundalini spirit, whatever the heck that means. It's something that's not even found in the Bible, but the Bible does give us lots of warnings of another problem, and that is called doubt and unbelief. And that problem is the reason why those accusers are making those accusations in the first place. They're filled with doubt and unbelief. They don't want to talk about that. No, let's point the finger and accuse someone else of some bizarre thing. And so what's happening is because of their doubt and unbelief, because of their reliance on their own understanding, they're rejecting the moving of God's Spirit. He's uh, confined to operate only in ways that they can understand, which is completely unscriptural because there are many examples of God uh, moving in ways with unusual manifestation. Just for instance, the rushing mighty wind that drew a huge crowd on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But there are many other examples. And another example of Christians attacking other Christians is regarding the big M word, money. Money riles up more devils than just about anything I can think of. And the problem is many Christians have a perspective, a worldly perspective that aligns and agrees with this world system that believes that Christians should sit in the dirt and eat worms. They shouldn't have any kind of possessions, that those things are uh, proof that they're evil. That's not a scriptural perspective because the Bible is filled with example after example of those whom God has blessed with great material wealth. And I'm not talking about spiritual wealth because the Bible gives specific details, specific examples 
of their flocks and their herds and their gold and their silver and their servants, and on and on. And the list includes all the great fathers of our faith from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and it continues on into Israel with David and Solomon. The wealth of Solomon was so great that silver was considered not to be valuable because they had so much gold in those days. And that's not a sign of their corruption. It's not evidence that they were evil. It's the natural byproduct of obeying God because the blessings of God come upon the righteous. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 6, In the house of the righteous there is much treasure. And that's confirmed in Psalms 112, verse 3, where it says wealth and riches are in the house of the righteous. And that's just another example of why Christians are attacking Christians. There are many others, including anyone who teaches that Christians have authority, that Christians have been given by God dominion over the earth. And no, I'm not talking about the whole seven mountains garbage teaching. I don't agree with that either. That's not scriptural. That's against the scriptures. That contradicts all the prophecies of the end times. We're not going to take over the world and and lead everyone to righteousness before the, the Lord returns. No, it says that the unrighteousness is going to reach a pinnacle and he's going to come back and crush the rebellion. That's how this plays out. But that's totally different from the dominion that God has given us, which is why he has instructed us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why else should we pray unless it makes a difference. Why would God need us to pray unless he's given us dominion on the earth? If we pray, his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we don't pray, it won't be. It's up to us. He's given us a very important part to play. And there are many other scriptural examples of God-given dominion But I'm just pointing this out because this is another area where Christians love to attack Christians. And I'm just going to give one more example here, and that is anyone who shares prophetic warnings of trouble ahead. For example, this message that I'm bringing forth here today, because we humans don't like hearing bad news. We want all good news. And so there's an attack that comes against anyone, warning of trouble, even though the Bible is filled with warnings of trouble from Genesis to Revelation. And all these examples of things that Christians disagree on could be handled completely different. All we'd have to do is discuss the points of uh, Scripture that we interpret different, perhaps, than others a different viewpoint. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We can all uh, work together to study the scriptures and find the truth. But where it becomes a big problem is when we start naming names and actually uh, putting their 
picture on the screen and vilifying some man or woman of God as if they came from the pit of hell. And so when we make it personal, we might as well be attacking God because that's the way he views it. And that's not just my opinion. That's exactly what the Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And this describes an encounter that Saul, who later became known as Paul and became the Apostle Paul, but at this point his name was Saul, and he was persecuting Christians. But then one day he had this encounter. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so this scripture shows that even though Saul had never personally met Jesus before this time, Jesus asked him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He took it personally because Paul was persecuting his people. And so that's a very serious thing because it shows that anyone who comes against God's people is coming against him personally, which is a very bad idea. And it seems to me that we have lost our fear of God. We just casually uh, slander his people. Even our leaders stand on the platform and slander and attack other Christians, as if it's no big deal. But God has given us a much better role model to follow in King David of ancient Israel, of whom God said, He is a man after my own heart. And so I want to share this short scripture passage from 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 7, because it shows what a contrast between the way David had such a fear of God and such a reverence for King Saul because Saul was anointed by God to be king of Israel, even though Saul had repeatedly tried to kill David, David would not lift a hand against him. Now it happened, when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men from all Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. 
David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now those chapters there in 1 Samuel 23 and 24 gives us great instruction for our time because what we see is Saul had been anointed by God as king over Israel, but yet that did not mean that everything Saul did was pleasing to God, right? Because God had also anointed David to replace Saul, and Saul did nothing but try to kill, repeatedly tried to kill David. That was not the will of God. Saul was acting evil in the sight of God. He didn't have a free pass to do whatever he wanted just because he occupied that position. And if you read the context in the previous chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 23, we see that God sent messengers to warn David of Saul's plans ahead of time. Even Saul's own son, Jonathan, came to warn David. And so I think that is a very important point, a lesson for us today, because it shows there's nothing wrong with exposing the evil that's going on by a person whom God has put in a position of ruling over us. And so, in that case, there's absolutely nothing wrong with exposing that kind of evil. In fact, God is the one helping to expose it. And we have another example of this in Daniel chapter 2, where the prophet Daniel is interpreting the dream that was received by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And Daniel clearly states that it was God who has given Nebuchadnezzar this power to rule over all the earth. But yet that did not mean that everything Nebuchadnezzar did was pleasing to God. It did not make Nebuchadnezzar a righteous king. In fact, he was a very evil king. He's the one who in the very next chapter threw the three Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to his golden image. And I've noticed there has been a lot of confusion on this point, as many people who have seen that God has chosen President Trump to rule over us. They have then concluded, and I made this same mistake years ago with President George Bush, and so I'm just pointing out these scriptural examples to help us disconnect those dots and understand that God chooses people to rule in positions of authority. It does not mean he's given them his endorsement on everything they do. 
All it means, really, is that it is God who raises up kings and takes down kings. And that's exactly what the prophet Daniel said in Daniel 2, verses 19 through 21. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Okay, so now continuing to share the rest of the dream I received last week, as I mentioned, there were three parts to it, and the first part was the Christians relentlessly fighting with other Christians. In the second part, I was just listening And I was hearing myself as I was preaching. And the message I was preaching was all about revelation, not the book of Revelation, but just the revelation that comes from heaven, revelation that God gives his people. And I was the message that I was sharing about it was that in these days to come, it will not be possible to live without revelation. And I believe that is a very important word for us today because what God is saying to his people is we must begin to grow in confidence and faith in knowing when we hear his voice and we sense the leading of his spirit, we must begin to take action, to respond, to step out, to do what he's telling us to do so that we can begin to grow up in our faith, to grow strong and understand that God is in us, God is with us, and God is leading and guiding us. So we recognize uh, the leading of His Spirit and have great confidence because in the days to come, I believe what He's showing us is that in these days, our very life is going to depend on hearing His voice and doing what He says. And that's not really a big stretch to believe it because in other parts of the world today, it's already that way. For example, I shared a story a few weeks ago that showed how Christians are living today in Turkey where they're not allowed to be Christians. They cannot even announce a meeting place or a meeting time, but each of them must hear from the Holy Spirit directly to know when and where to go. And so they do, and they all come and they just show up in this unannounced place, and they have their uh, worship time and their preaching time, and then they leave. But everything is undercover so that they don't get killed by their government. And I think it's very significant that this was the second scene of the dream because what it's showing is that it's only by revelation that we can know the things that are happening in our land today. You know, we're not given access to all the secret meetings, closed-door meetings, behind the scenes that our leaders are, are meeting together and doing things, evil things, betraying the people of our nation. But God can expose those things by His Spirit so that we can know with confidence And I believe this is where there's a fork in the road. This is where some of the Christians are going to follow the path 
of revelation and being led by the Spirit, while others are following the path of being completely moved by what they see with their physical eyes and ears. And that is a very dangerous place to be, because the physical realm is the realm that Satan has access to. Satan can make things appear to be a certain way. He can raise up people to lie, to deceive. He can come up with cleverly orchestrated schemes that give us an appearance of one thing when it's actually something completely different. And as I've been learning by studying history in the past few years, I've been seeing example after example of where our government has been engaging in practices of deception. And I've even got a quote from the CIA director, William Casey, in which he was in a meeting, a cabinet meeting, in which the cabinet was giving their uh, briefings to President Reagan. It was the very first cabinet meeting of President Reagan's administration. He had just taken office in January of uh, 1981, and this was in early February, and a woman who was the assistant to President Reagan's senior domestic advisor, this woman's name is Barbara Honegger, she recorded the words of William Casey as he spoke to President Reagan and said, We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. These words were spoken by the director of the CIA to a man who I believe for most of my life was a great patriot and an American hero. But yet, if Ronald Reagan was truly a patriot and a hero, when he heard these words spoken by his CIA director, he would have fired him on the spot. He would have publicly exposed this scheme and followed that trail to find anyone else who was trying to help Casey along those lines. But no, Reagan did not do that. In fact, Reagan was part of the scheme. He was in on the plan. And I know that's mind-boggling when you've believed one way your whole life, but then you come across evidence. And I've come across fact after fact, historical facts that prove that everything I had once believed about our nation was false. I was one of those victims in which the CIA succeeded in their disinformation program. And it's only been really in the last couple of years or so that these things have become very clear to me. And as I continue my studies, I just keep finding and being amazed by my findings because there's so much evidence showing that everything we've been told about our nation has either been completely false or has omitted essential points that we needed to know to understand the truth about what's been happening and where we came from and how we got to where we are today. And without having those essential facts, we are so easily misled. 
because it's impossible to understand what's happening in our nation today unless we understand all that has led us up to this point. And I believe that's one of the main reasons why so many, almost all, Americans are so deceived today. We don't know our past, so we don't understand what's happening right in front of our eyes. And so, getting back to my point, this is the reason why we need God's help. We need revelation. Because only by revelation did I come out of the deception and begin to confirm it with historical facts. But yet I see many people, millions of Americans, are still trapped in the lies that we've been indoctrinated with at every turn along the way throughout our whole life. And we've wandered so far away from the truth and so far away from reality that whenever somebody uh, presents the truth to us, it's just like impossibly hard to try to comprehend it or process it or even believe it. It just seems impossible. And so I'm sharing these things because it's by revelation that God gave me this dream and showed me the third scene. And I know that many people, when they hear what I saw in the third scene, are going to turn this thing off and discard everything that I've said. Because what I saw, God showed me two of the main characters who were behind this orchestrated scheme. Its goal is to divide Christian against Christian. It's ultimately all about an attack against Christians. This is the plan of Satan. It's all about that. There's so many layers to it that make it look like something else. But no, it's always been about attacking God's people. It's a war against God, ultimately, and therefore against his people. And that's why the Bible describes it as war in the heavenly realm. And that's in Revelation chapter 12. There was war in heaven, and that's why there's war on the earth, because everything that we see happening in this realm is merely a reflection of what's already happening in that realm. And so what I saw was a scene where I'm standing in the Oval Office of the White House, and standing right in front of me are two men. On the left is former President Obama. On the right is President Trump. And I was given the knowledge that I understood immediately that these two men were the principal players in helping to implement this evil scheme. And I understood that the two of them were in cooperation with one another, which completely contradicts the way they portray themselves to the public, as if they're arch enemies. But they're not arch enemies. They are partners in crime. Crimes committed against the American people. Crimes that are still unfolding as this scheme unfolds. And I can also tell you that from my studies of historical facts, I already understood this. Because the historical facts 
show overwhelming evidence that our country was hijacked by evil harlots working for the mother of all harlots, which is Mystery Babylon, which operates on earth today under the cover name, the alias name of the Roman Catholic Church. And so, even though I understood that from connecting the dots and understanding the facts of history, I'm really thankful to now have a prophetic dream in which God has confirmed it to me. He had already showed me prophetically many things about President Obama, and he's also given many prophetic warnings to others regarding President Trump, exposing him for who he truly is, not who millions of Christians think he is. But God is revealing the truth because there's a scheme in place and it's aimed at us because they're trying to align us with him to ignite the wrath of the nation against Christians. That's what this is all about. It's a trap. It's a plot that's orchestrated to make it look like Christians are evil, racists who align with this evil, racist Trump. And I don't even believe he is a racist, but that's part of the scheme. It's all deception, layers of deception on top of layers and more layers. And so the point is, we're living in a world where we cannot rely on the way things appear to be because nothing, pretty much nothing, is what it appears to be. And therefore, we must have God's help. And the good news is God is sending us help. He's sending us revelation from heaven. And in that scene of my dream, I found it interesting that Obama is standing on the left because he represents the left side of the political spectrum, and President Trump is standing on the right, representing the right side of the spectrum. And I think that's very significant because it covers the whole scope of the Christian world today. We have Christians who align with the left and Christians who align with the right, and both groups have been majorly deceived. Both groups have believed the lie based on the way things appear to be. Back when Obama was president, I heard pastors of churches, particularly pastors of African-American churches saying that this man was sent by God. He's a blessing from God. And during these past four years, I've heard Christians on the right side of the political spectrum saying the same thing. President Trump was sent by God. He's a gift from God. He's a blessing from God. And so there's great deception sweeping across the full range of the political spectrum inside the church. And so, no wonder there's civil war coming to the church because the church is filled with people who are not being led by the Holy Spirit. And I agree with the prophet Daniel, as I played that clip earlier, that it is God who raises up kings and takes down kings. And so I agree with what many people are saying, that God has a specific purpose and a specific plan in his mind for each president 
that he allows to be in office. But God's plans and God's purposes are not necessarily the same as ours. And that's where I believe so much deception has come in. And I understand that hardly anyone's going to believe my message right now, but just wait until it plays out. And then you can look back on what God has revealed and see how he's been trying to get this warning to his people, but that so few would hear it. But I believe it's not going to be much longer now, and we're going to begin to see the true colors come forth as both of these men uh, continue to operate in the roles they've been assigned to operate in. And there's going to be great disappointment among Christians as they realize this great deception. And so the sooner we can come in line with what God is trying to reveal to us, the sooner we can receive understanding, the better off we're going to be and the less chance that we're going to be harmed by what's coming in the days ahead. Because the last thing we want to do is realize these things as we're riding on a FEMA bus being carried to a FEMA camp where we're being lied to until the very end about the whole reason why they're putting us in this camp. That's what they've done repeatedly in the past. It's deception all the way through to the end. And so I believe it would be wise to take this warning seriously, take it to God in prayer, ask Him about it to confirm it to you, to reveal it to you, to help you see what He's wanting you to see. And I believe God will reveal the truth to anybody who comes to Him humbly, not thinking that they've already got it all figured out, but genuinely asking Him to show them and lead them. And I think I've already said plenty for one day, so for those of you who have made it all the way through to the end of this program, I think you should get a big gold star by your name or something, because I think it's quite an accomplishment in these days that you could listen to this kind of message and still hang in there. You may not agree with everything that I've said, but I hope you found it helpful and perhaps challenging, and uh, ultimately that God will lead you and guide you to all the truth. And so thanks for joining me today. I am trying to get back on track with these programs. I had a lot of uh, work that I did over the past few weeks on my computer systems, and I'm glad to say that my systems are better now than they've ever been before, so I believe it was time well spent in preparation for a lot more work to do in the days ahead. All right, well, I'm going to stop there, and until next time, God bless you and goodbye.